This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around, and we have American sports radio personality and the current play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Chargers, Matt Money Smith. What a nickname. Can we just start with that? First off, thanks for being on, but I can't get over Money Smith. That is like the coolest name ever. It's funny. Uh, thanks for having me, Paige. I'm excited to, to be here. Yeah, I wish I had a great story behind it. I really don't. It was... Uh, you know, I worked for a morning show when I was still in college. I was fortunate to, to land a gig just kind of being a lackey, for lack of a better term, for Kevin and Bean, this Hall of Fame morning show that kind of was a soundtrack for a ton of people in Southern California for about 30 years. And if you were a lackey, you had to have a nickname. And um, I don't know who came up with it. It was an awesome morning show when I joined it at the time. Jimmy Kimmel was their sports guy. And uh, Adam Carolla was pretty prominent as well. And I was able to just kind of be around these just four incredible talents and, and try to learn how to do radio from some of the best who have, have ever done it. And I have no idea why they gave me the nickname Money. The only thing I can think of is I was at Pepperdine at the time, and, and I think they just assumed that, that everybody that went to Pepperdine was, was loaded with cash, which could not be <laughs> further from the truth, considering wh- where I came from and the number of uh, the, the giant amount of student loan debt I had when I graduated. Wait, Matt, what, what would we give Paige? For if she was an announcer. I was just going to say that. Like, I don't be? have a nickname. Everyone just calls Ooh. me like Tits McGee. So we need something better than that. And Matt <laughs> well, Money least, Smith is like yeah. great. I, I need at something least. better. And here for the sideline report, Tits McGee. Yeah, right. At least there's at least there's something behind that. I mean, you actually have tits for Tits McGee. I don't. I didn't have any money. That's why it just didn't make any sense. So it was just kind of in. And now I've been stuck with it. It's fine when you're, you know, 20. I think I was 20 when they gave it to me but uh that was 26 years ago so it's just weird to have a name like you know it's and it's funny like I'll have like legitimate I work at NFL Network and it's just so odd to have these accomplished Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame football players and I walk in a room and they're like yo what up money and it's just (laughs) strange it feels stupid but it's kind of cool at the same time okay so by the end of the show we need to have a nickname for me we need to figure it out because What's happening now is just not working for me. But I was going over (laughs) your (laughs) – it's not great. But I was going over your bio, and you have done so many things. And you actually had your start in music, correct? Like, how did you get – was that your first love? Was that your passion? Or were you just trying to do music first to then get into sports? I think, you know, whenever I am asked to to speak to to classrooms uh, at at university or wherever, or high schools, one of the things I I always say is just never say no. You know, try to find every possible opportunity and know that, you know, I I went to school with this, uh, one of my, one of the kids that lived in my um, suite, as they were called, at Pepperdine. Uh, His name was Seth Gamrat, and he's he's one of the smartest people I've ever been around. He was an unbelievable athlete um, and just a brilliant I'll tell you just a quick story. This is how smart this guy was. He went to Columbia Med School, and I was in the music business already. I had a band playing in New York City, and I said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm coming to town. Do you want to go out for a drink or something? He's like, ah, I got finals this week, and, and I actually have a final tomorrow. But ah, you know what? Fuck it. I'll, I'll come out. So <laughs> I go to his dorm. I had a black car. You know, For anybody that's lived in New York knows, back in the, the 90s, the black car service was kind of the, uh, the status symbol you had to have. So I have the black car pull up to his dorm. Uh, I go in to grab him, and as he's walking out, these kids, I mean, it was it was a scene from a movie. Kids are grinding, screaming. There's, like, 
I don't know, not piles of coke, but the legal version of piles of coke there for them to study all night. And, and Seth just announces as he walks down the hallways, fuck all you guys. I'm going to beat you all. And I'm going out to get drunk tonight. And that and, and, and his position was, you know, your opponent is still studying. And, and sort of what I took from that when I was in college was your opponent is trying to get that internship. Your opponent is waking up before you. Your opponent is working late. And, and while I didn't have the... The, intelligence, the level of intelligence that, that Seth had, I figured, you know what, I can have the work ethic. So I pretty much just chased every opportunity I could um, to make a long answer longer page. I, I loved music and I wanted to get into that business and everybody had told me that I had this great voice for radio. So I figured I should maybe chase a natural gift that I was given. Um, and that's kind of where it started. And it started my sophomore year in, in college when I got an internship at, at Polygram, which was this parent company of a bunch of labels. And, and that was just kind of my first step. That's crazy. So are you like a music snob though now? Because I feel like my mom, she's really into music, but anything that we listen to like currently, she's not about it. Like she does not think that Uh, people are creating music now. Right. So yes and no. Um, And it's funny when you work, it's like for you and, and, and the one thing I love about your videos is it does feel like you really love golf. Like you still love teaching and, and doing these videos. I think that really comes through. Um, now maybe it, maybe it's not that way. Maybe you are sick of it and it's a job and you know, what a, what a bunch of people look is look at as leisure time and, and something that they strive to do as opposed to work, you look at as work. So for a while, music became work for me and I lost that passion for it. But I, I think one of the things I recognized and having done it for as long as, as I did, I did it for about 15 years. I was in music, um, is we're all music's emotional. It's an emotional connection. It's, it's a time and place thing, right? So when I was growing up, uh, I found punk rock and hardcore (laughs) and hip hop. And like that was, it was rebellion music, right? So I loved like my favorite band was this Chicago hardcore band called Naked Ray Gun. And I'd go see Bad Brains and all these punk bands, you know, Fugazi and Minor Threat. So to try to kind of say, oh, my, my music was better than yours. Well, that's not rebellion music. That's not, hey, I'm pushing back against my parents and I'm pushing back against my bosses, whatever that may be. And right now, I don't know what that is for each individual person. It might be, you know, whatever, Cardi B or, or Lil Wayne or whatever that is. So I think it's yeah. just important to remember, you know, music's time sensitive. And, and when we're at our most impressionable moments, I think is when we kind of make that connection to it. So I don't ever want to crap on somebody's particular preference because I don't know what that music's saying to them. It, it may be saying the same thing to them that punk rock said to me when I was 16 and 17 years old. And it's just not right to tell them that it's, it's not cool and it's not good music because it may be something that's really important to them. Yeah. I mean, what ass pussy really speaks, speaks to me. So I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. Like it, that is just the music for me. Uh, right. But we're, <laughs> how did you transition from being in music and then straight into sports. I don't feel like there's really any synergy there. So um, I I was very fortunate when I worked at DreamWorks, uh, I was one of the first employees they hired when when they launched DreamWorks. And DreamWorks Music was launched by David Geffen. You know, Spielberg did film, Katzenberg did animation, Geffen did music. So they were staffing up. And thankfully, I had a boss there, um, this guy, Mark Gorlick, who recognized that um, it was valuable to have me inside the building at K-Rock. And he basically allowed me to have a second job. And that second job was I, I took over for Jimmy as the sports guy for Kevin and Bean when he left to do the man show and start his television career. So I would wake up at 5 in the morning. I would get to Kevin and Bean by 5.30. I would do my sports report at 6.50. 
Uh, at five, I think I did one at 550 and 650. And Oof. then at 650, I would drive to DreamWorks and work, you know, from like 730 in the morning until about five at night. And sometimes I'd have concerts and I'd have to be out until, you know, 12, one in the morning with bands in town or I'd be on the road and I'd have to do the sports report from on the road. So I was able to kind of keep these two roads, you know, kind of moving forward in two separate careers to some degree. So I always had a toe in the sports um, water. And, and one of the great things that, and one of the reasons why I was so determined to keep that job and really imparted upon that boss, Mark Gorlick, hey, I'd really like to do this, is was something that actually Jimmy told me, not to name drop, but I just want to give him credit. He said, um, he said, always remember this, you know, LA is a commuter city and people are in their cars. They're not on buses. They're not on trains. They are in their cars. And when they are in their cars, they're listening to the radio. And now remember, this is before podcasts and all that. This is the, <laughs> you know, or mid nineties. So it's a different time. And he said, and they have to listen to something. So just assume they're listening to you. So every time that microphone turns on, you are effectively in an audition. And, and that's kind of how, you know, I ended up getting into sports because that was an audition that, the people the Lakers were listening to every single morning because they listened to Kevin and Bean and, and they were the ones that called me and said, do you want to come work on our broadcast? So uh, it was that advice that he gave me that I always didn't look at it as, oh, it's just a five minute sports report that nobody cares about. To me, it was a five minute audition that, that I was doing twice a day, every single day. Well, I feel like a lot of announcers lately have been under fire for remarks that they have said racist and um, homophobic, sexist remarks. And do you ever feel so much pressure because you're constantly talking, especially when you're doing play-by-play -play for, you know, like a football game or whatever sporting event it may be. And you're talking literally 24-7 for, you know, those four hours constantly. Do you, do you get nervous about that? I feel like I would just, you know, say something, have a joke land flat, and you just never know, especially with, like, canceled culture. I feel like your job is so difficult. It's, it's you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I, I don't, um, you know, because you see people that are maybe making references to films, which people do all the time, and they get crushed for it, you know, because people take it out of context, and they don't recognize, and they just assume that's, you know, look, I can't speak to anybody's, you know, character or beliefs, you know, or what their intent is behind what they're saying, but I think the big the big concern is just that, you know, you have just a slip up, you know, and it's nothing that's meant to be sincere, but somehow, I mean, you said it, you're talking for three hours. <laughs> I, I talk for three to four hours a day, every single day. Uh, when I'm broadcasting a game, you have no script, you know, and radio is, doesn't follow a script, you know, like podcasts don't really follow a script. You're just talking. And, and the, the thing that, that I think drives me crazy is, is when people, you can tell it's, Look, they just they slipped up. You know, it was a hiccup. It wasn't nothing. There's no malice there. There's no prejudice there. And, and yet people have to go on these apology tours for really just misspeaking um, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to preach some sort of, you know, hate speech and and uh, and having some sort of intent behind it. So, yeah, it is. Um, it is a little scary. Um, at the same time, you know, I've been doing it long enough and I've never had any problems. So I, I don't know why, you know, it would it would come up now. I think maybe, you know. Not to pat myself on the back, but maybe that's just a, a testament to the, the kind of person I am that, that I haven't had any issues in, in 25 years of doing this. 
Do you think that hurts broadcast, though, because people feel like they have to be so censored now and they don't have the liberty to make jokes or say things that will, you know, make it more entertaining? Because I feel like sometimes with golf coverage, there's a lot of criticism towards the broadcasters there because it just is so vanilla and they never really take any risks to say anything or to criticize the players. Like, how do you balance that? 100% agree. Um, and, I, and I think it was evidenced by, it wasn't the most recent, but the, the one prior to this, Dave, Dave, Chappelle, Dave Chappelle stand-up special. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, thank God somebody said it. And it was, you know, one of the most attack-oriented, nobody-safe um, <laughs> stand-ups that we've seen in years because he wasn't afraid of it because Dave's not afraid of anything, and he was willing to walk away. Um, and, you know, not everyone can afford to do that. You know, this is it's a livelihood. And and I think it, it most definitely affects the broadcast because you want it's it's no different than sports. I mean, look, you played at a at a, at a professional level. So, you know, I would assume they tell you the, the most dangerous thing to do is think. And you can't be <laughs> yeah. thinking too hard about what you're doing when you stand over the ball. I mean, God knows that the horrible golfer that I am, I, my, my my kitchen is so tiny it's a disaster, which is why I could never get over that hump in golf. I think too much. So broadcasting is the same. You know, you want you want the person sitting in that chair, especially, you know, I'm, I'm in sort of the stiff guy play-by-play role where I'm supposed to enable my analyst to be the best he or she can be and to, to you know, to just feel free to, to be, to some degree, the entertainment. I'm the mechanic. They're the entertainment. And I think when they're thinking and worried about what they're saying, they can't. I mean, God, wouldn't you love to just let, you know, Faraday cut loose like yeah. he used to? And, yeah. and it doesn't sound like he's able to do that anymore. Um, and, and he's probably the most irreverent. I mean, when he and McCord were doing it, it was awesome, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years ago. It was the best golf broadcast have ever been. And, and I, don't, I don't think we'll ever get back to it. Um, you know, and I think the sad thing about that is, is Twitter's not real life. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's 1% and it's the loudest 1%. And, and I think more than anything, it's, it is, uh, a, just a feast of negativity and everybody is looking for clicks and retweets, uh, by tearing something or somebody else down. And I think that's, and, and I think that's what people seek, right? They seek likes, they, they seek retweets and they're just looking for a lane. And I think that's the most you know, that that's the easiest lane to find a population that perhaps is going to get behind what you're saying. And I think it's certainly affected broadcasts. Do you, after you do play by play for whatever you're doing, or if you're on radio, do you tend to look at what people are saying on social media or do you just try to avoid it altogether? Um, a little bit of both. I think sometimes if I, if I feel like, ah, you know, that was kind of a weird sort of conversation or a moment there. I mean, the one thing that's good uh, about the radio show I do every day with Petros um, is, you know, and that's the three to four hours a day where we're just talking is we have, because we're in the afternoons. So by the time we get on the air, kind of what our philosophy has always been is people have been dealing with work all day. They've been dealing with their kids all day. They've been, you know, they've just been beaten down all day long. So the last thing we need to do is come on and take on these, you know, just <laughs> what the hell are we doing kind of topics, you know? Yeah. It's like we we're here for 4 hours to act like idiots, uh to make fun of ourselves, have you laugh at our expense and entertain you. So we've always stayed away. And and we've gotten attacked for that um for not 
taking a stance and, oh, you're just too vanilla. And, and that's fine. I don't care. Come after me for that. But I just don't think that's why people are, are tuning into our show. I think they want an escape and they want to be entertained and they, they just want to freaking cut loose after a long day. And, and that's what we're here to, per, to, to provide. So we've never, we've never taken it on. Um, and, and when we do, I mean, we have it at, 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 on occasion, we have, but very, very rarely. So I think I've been fortunate to not find myself in, in the middle of, of those um, sort of Twitter, I don't want to call them controversies, but you know, the, the attack dogs of, of Twitter, um, because we just don't really, we're comfortable not taking a stance and getting called out for being, you know, spineless and, and vanilla. So whatever. Yeah. Well, I think it's really hard. Cause like when I'm doing my normal content on Instagram, it's just normally at most like a two minute video. And it really isn't about anything that I'm saying or my opinions about just golf. And I think that's been really difficult for me with this podcast. Cause it's the first time where people can actually judge what I'm saying. And it's such a hard balance where it's like, okay, I, want to have fun and I want to make it light and joke around but then you see someone say that there's no substance and then I'm like oh okay okay now I got to do this and it's like it's taken me a really long time to kind of figure out like where I want to take it what I want to do and it's so hard to kind of block that out when it is so personal like it's about like your opinions and what you're saying and like you want to take what they're saying into account but you still just want to make it fun and like, that's so cool that you've just basically kind of like, I'm going to do what I want. Like, you can listen if you want to listen. It feels like you've kind of done that your whole career where you just kind of stick to your gun. Yeah, and I think a part of that's just being, you know, having my career birthed in morning radio, which is just stupid, you know, morning zoo, boing, boner sound effects and stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like I was ever doing hard news or anything. You know, I've always, my entire career, I've operated in the toy aisle for the most part. <laughs> you know, I haven't had to concern myself with anything heavy. The one thing I would say about, about your podcast is... Um, not that I'm in any position to, to, to give advice on this, but I think it, it's just something that you always hear from head coaches in the NFL. And I'm around, you know, whether it was, you know, when I worked with the Lakers or now with the Chargers, they all say the same thing when you talk about installing and instilling a culture. And that's, I just have to be myself. If I'm not sincere, my players know I'm a fraud and they're not going to listen to me. So if I can just convey what my message is, um, what I believe is the way for us to approach uh, a game and, and being a franchise and how to win, then they'll follow me. If they ever get the sense that I'm not being sincere, it's over. That They won't listen to a word that I have to say, and I think it's probably the same for your podcast. You know, you can't, you can't be what Twitter wants you to be or what Instagram wants you to be or what the reviews want you to be. Just be yourself, you know, and, and look, that the risk you take there is, and, and I, it's, I feel bad saying it, but maybe you're just not interesting, you know? And, and I think that happens to a lot of podcasters. They're like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. And there are these sort of big name personalities. And, and this is, look, I've seen it with football. I mean, some of the biggest names in football will start a podcast and they look at their download numbers and it's like at 2,500, 3,000. And they're like, what am I doing wrong? And I, and I feel bad. I'm like, hey, maybe, maybe you're just not interesting to listen to for 60 minutes. It, it's a tough thing to be. It is very hard to, to be compelling and, and create, you know, legitimate content that people want to listen to because um, there's so many choices. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and the other thing I think about it, you know, Paige, is that I think many of the ones that are successful, it's just it's bullshit. You know, it's, yeah. it's people that are taking a stance that they don't believe in. Um, it's, hey, you pick this side. I'll pick this side. Let's have an argument and, and let's get everybody inflamed. And I mean, look, maybe those people are comfortable doing that. I could never do it. I just it just it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fun for me. You know, I, I want to entertain myself along with hoping 
or you know or you know, either enlighten or or entertain people that are listening and, and you know that's, yeah. that's kind of what i want to do well yeah and, and, and like i always want to be authentic and i feel like i've always done that but it's so i still get nervous speaking freely on this podcast because golf is so conservative and I've had issues before with things that I've said and people take it so seriously. And so it might be just like a, a little joke to me or to you, but in the golf industry, it's like, Oh my God, she talked about tits. Like she's a whore and she's never going to work with us ever again. And so it's like, I want to say these things that I want to kind of express myself, but in the back of my head, I'm like, is this going to hurt my career? What is this the direction I want to go? Because it's, I mean, obviously the easy path is to just, you know, talk about sex with Tori and, you know, just make these kind of jokes all the time. But it's like, you want to be more than that. You want to have substance. And like you were saying, like, that's like an insecurity of mine or like a fear. It's like, maybe I'm not interesting. Maybe I'm not funny and maybe I can't do this. And so thank you for that advice just to like be myself. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But as we know, today is Kobe day and yesterday was Kobe Bryant. Ryan's birthday. Um, gosh, I can't believe that it's when did it happened. It happened earlier this year. It seems like this year is January. January of this year, which is so crazy to think of. But since you worked for the Lakers, I was just wondering if you could share a personal story or a memory that you had of Kobe. I think he's impacted so many people's lives and especially with everything that's been going on. Um, because I'm sure you have a different insight than, you know, any of us have. Yeah, I mean, I got quite a bit. You know, I mean, I was with the team, so I traveled with the team. So I was around Kobe a lot. Um, he and I got along great. Um, you know, I was fortunate to just kind of hang out and chop it up with him from, from time to time. Um, a couple of things stand out. It was, uh, I think I was in Denver. I think we were in Denver for the, the conference finals against the Nuggets. And um, it was late. And I think I had a buddy in Denver. And so I might have been out. You know, just kind of the next day, I think was an off day, if I remember right. Um, and so I was out, I think, just kind of having a couple pops with my friend Kurt. And so I came back to the hotel a little bit late and um, I was just kind of walking up the, the hallway and I sat down. I recognized somebody who also worked for the Lakers was just kind of sitting in this little alcove. Um, and the bars, you know, it was past the time that like the bars were closed or something. I don't remember what time, maybe midnight or, you know, because it was a weeknight. And I sit down with him and Kobe comes walking by and sees us and just says, Hey, can I, can I sit down? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and, and he, and we just ended up talking and it was, you know, normally I don't ever want to talk basketball with those guys. What the hell do I know about basketball? And we ended up talking, he was talking about the playoff run and what was ahead of him. And this was the year, this was, I think, 2009, if I remember right, I think, uh, when they advanced to the, or maybe it was 2008. I think they advanced to the finals, lost to the Celtics, if I remember right. I think it was that year. Um, and we ended up just talking about kind of the season and basketball and his past and our personal lives and stuff. I mean, I think we ended up talking to like five in the morning. Um, and that's just kind of how he was. He would do that from time to time. Um, that's kind of a boring, I got to hang out with Kobe story. The second one would be, uh, after the finals in 2009, when he, you know, when the Lakers won, knocked off the magic, I was the post game host and, um, you know, it's the finals, it's the NBA finals. He's won the finals for the first time without Shaq. He's celebrating his family's there. There's a million interviews and I'm on the court doing the post game show. And I've been on for a while. Um, and I just assumed, and I didn't ask for any players to, to come on the show um, because they're celebrating. That's their moment. They don't need to freaking leave their teammates or their family and come out and, and do a radio show. And sure enough, here comes Kobe walking out, 
you know, just of his own volition. And uh, Vanessa was with him. And I think at that time, is he? I think he had his. I think he had the two. I think he had Natalia and Gianna. Uh, I think because she was holding him, and they were like, "Hey, let's get going." And he's like, "No, nah, I got to do this, man." Matt's, you know, does post game every every night. I got to get on and, and, you know, just kind of speak to the fans and stuff. And it was totally his call. Um, and, and he came out and, and did that. And I think that speaks to kind of someone who, in the midst of this storm of celebration that's around you, um, you know, kind of still had, you know, the, the idea in his head to, oh, this is, this is something I should do. And, and this is, you know, obviously very important to me personally. It was very cool to have him do that. Um, but also I think for the fans that, that were listening that were in LA, cause the game was in Orlando. So you're broadcasting to all of Los Angeles, uh, and to have him come on and spend, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, um, to just kind of, you know, talk about the, the ride and, and how rewarding it was, I thought was really cool. And then I'll give you a third one, um, because I think this is the most important one. And, um, I have three daughters. So one of my daughters, my middle daughter, Parker plays volleyball and she's on the club circuit and, um, so, you know, you go to all these tournaments and stuff, and, and I would always tell people, like, you know, there are parents, and I'm not judging them. Everybody's different. You know, some people are way into their kids' uh, sporting careers. Some aren't. It just doesn't, doesn't resonate for them. But, um, you know, I would see them at volleyball tournaments, just super into it, uh, like, like just geeked to be there, um, like I was. I, I love watching my kids play sports. You know, I've been fortunate to have uh, my daughter plays lacrosse, my oldest, my middle played volleyball and and my my youngest is actually a musician and there's just nothing better than watching them do what they love and and I think you know it's very the saddest part of the tragedy is that he really seemed to be the kind of dad that absolutely loved watching his girls play sports Uh, and that's that's probably the biggest tragedy you know that to to have your number one fan be your dad as a girl who's an athlete is is pretty special and uh, he certainly seemed to to be one of those guys yeah I mean you see all the top guys in the world you know like the tigers and michael jordan and they all seem to have kind of a similar personality and it's a bit polarizing and you hear kind of the good and the bad and it seems with kobe he never really had a lot of the bad like he seemed to really impact so many people by how good of a person he was and how caring he was and i think you could see that especially with how he treated his daughters well i think it's important um it wasn't always like that you know, I, I don't want to rewrite history. It's a horrible tragedy that he's gone, and I'm not trying to, to step on his legacy. But I do think it's important for people that to hear that it, it is a redemption story. I mean, it is. He, he was a pain in the ass for a lot of people for a lot of years. Um, and and it, it got sideways on him, you know, a lot. And I think it's it's worth pointing out that, again, it's, you know, like to me, it's just the saddest part of, of the death is he kind of turned that corner. Um, I think being and and look being a parent will do that you know it's what happens it softens you up you know and I think you know that's that's the tough part is it really seemed like these last couple years from people that and I don't know personally but just from people I've talked to that are around I'm like oh yeah dude he's a totally different person um and I think you know that's 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 a shame you know that that there were a lot of years there where Again, he, he really was a pain in the ass, and, and, I, and he would acknowledge it. Um, and he was a tough guy to be around. Um, do you feel and, like they and, have to be that way, though, to I do. 
I mean, because you see all the media attention that they get, and if they have like one slip up, it, it you know it's a huge news story. And I almost feel bad for those guys because I mean, you see it like I said with Tiger, like he's also kind of changed after everything that he's been through, and right. it, I just feel like they almost have their guard up because I'm sure everyone's coming at them asking them for stuff, and they don't, they probably don't even feel human anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's so. It's so hard for me to speak to it, right, or any of us, because I don't know. I just, you know, I, I know you mentioned, you know, obviously Tiger, which, you know, look, the cheating scandal, whatever you want to call it, it's just, it's weird to go back and look at it and think about how that whole thing played out and the fact this guy had to, to apologize. I mean, look, yeah, okay, fine, infidelity and stuff. But at the same time, the the way that, that it was, I guess, demanded of him that he had to, with his mom sitting in the front row, kind of apologize for for having affairs was kind of weird, right? Um, <laughs> I, I can't imagine like how, how you come to that conclusion. And and look, you said it. Um, you said it a, a minute ago, Paige. Like it's sponsors. That's what it is. It's money. It's like wow, I, I got to make sure that I'm making all this money and and I've got to do the right thing and stay in this lane so they'll allow me to tell you to wear an Omega watch or drive a Buick or whatever it is. And that's what was behind it. But um, I, I think for Kobe, you know, again, y- you can't. You, you can't walk away from, from Eagle Colorado and, and forget about that. That's part, and, and again, I think it, it, it's important to bring up to, to kind of point to a redemption story that, that was kind of, that, was, that had taken place for him. Um, and, and I think, again, I'm not, not judging, I'm not saying anything about, you know, how these guys are supposed to operate when they're on the road. Um, but to, to have that, you know, be part of your past and to, to be able to overcome it, build off it, try to do right, um, following, you know, that, you know, that pivotal moment in your life, I, I think seemed to be happening for him. Um, and it's, it's, it's terrible to think that it got cut short because, man, it, it, it looked like it was tracking to be pretty damn special um, with, with Gianna and, and the idea that he was going to be the guy that was going to help save the WNBA and, and maybe get you know, women's basketball to be a, a sport that yeah. would be embraced by more casual fans. Um, and, and we'll never know. Well, Matt, thank you so much for sharing those stories about Kobe. We're going to take a little break, but before that, I want to talk about ScoreMaster. ScoreMaster helps your credit score. I didn't, I'm like not an adult and I didn't know what your credit score needed to be or like what it is or how to figure it out. So ScoreMaster has really been helping me out. It's been created by credit data scientists. The average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. Seriously, one listener raised her credit score 102 points in just 11 days. Another raised his credit score 53 points in 17 days. Guys, that's like free money. I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, definitely go check out ScoreMaster. But ScoreMaster is the new science that super boosts your credit score faster and easier than anything you've tried. ScoreMaster puts you in control of your credit score. This is how you add points to your credit score fast. Having your best credit score helps every area in your life. Getting a home loan, buying a car, refinancing, or even getting a job. So go visit scoremaster.com slash par, scoremaster.com slash par. Okay, Matt, I'm a little distracted by the ugly Chargers helmet that you have in your room. And I've been watching Hard Knocks. Um, The Chargers look terrible. Do you agree? (laughs) I don't. Um, (laughs) 
I don't. Uh, Compared to the Rams, they don't look great. <laughs> oh, that's funny. See, I, I feel like they're coming off a lot better in hard really? knocks. Yeah, I just feel like it's more, and I think it's because of the head coach. You know, to me, Sean McVay is, and, and, and look, he's a great play caller, but he's kind of one of these dark room guys that's busy drawing up plays. And, and to me, the personality is just a little phony, like the leader of men personality is a little bit phony. Whereas you see Anthony Lynn and it's like, oh yeah, there's, there's a guy who was a running back who won two Super Bowls, who's been on coaching staffs for he's 20 cool. years. Exactly. I had like like, the biggest crush on Mike Tomlin and it kind of is switching over (laughs) now. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) So I think that's like, to me, that's like the lead of, you know, Hard Knocks is all about personalities, right? And I think that that having Coach Lynn's personality be able to come out because he does not seek the spotlight. He does not want it. He just wants to coach football, win football games. That's been, I think, very rewarding for, for a lot of people at the Chargers. So others know, hey, we've got this really great guy that is our coach and a true leader of men that his players rally behind. Um, it's a quarterback league, so I, I you know, I, I think when you have Philip Rivers leave, who's probably going to be a, a Hall of Famer, and you replace him with, to some degree, a career backup, um, yeah, I totally get why that would be the case. The difference is, I, I think, you know, and I would just point to, I would point to the San, to the 49ers. You know, Garoppolo isn't a great quarterback. He's he's a good quarterback. He's in a great system that fits him, and they made it all the way to the Super Bowl because their defense just kicked absolute ass all season. Um, and the Chargers have one of they'll be in the conversation as the best defense in the league um, with with Joey Bosa and and Melvin Ingram on the line. Uh, with the deepest linebacking core they've had in a long time and, and arguably the best secondary in the league with, with Casey Hayward and Derwin James and Chris Harris. Like, you can win games that way. Is it pretty? No. <laughs> you know, is it super exciting? Sean McVay, we're going to run this fly sweep here and then when it busts <laughs> off to the right, you're going to bend the back. You know, people get excited by that. That's not the Chargers. It's going to be, you know, stretch right and let's make sure our defense creates a turnover and win 17-14. So uh, may not be as exciting, but I think it's got a chance to, and again, I'm biased, I get it, but I, I do think based on kind of what we've seen in the league the last couple of years, I think it's got a shot to work. You think they're going to make the playoffs this year? I don't know. So much, look, I thought, and so did a lot of people, thought the Chargers were going to make the Super Bowl last year, you know, yeah. because they were coming off a 12-4 and four season. They won a road game, uh, you know, in Baltimore against that dynamic offense led by Lamar Jackson, and it just fell apart last year because everyone got hurt, and they were one and seven like it's crazy when you look at the chargers last year not to get too technical and i don't know how many people want to hear this but like when you're five and when, when you're five and eleven and your point differential is minus eight that's just crazy like that's it, it speaks to how tight those games were and how many of them were in the final possession and just last year was one of those where every one of them went wrong it all went the wrong way but uh, at a I mean, there were teams that made the playoffs that were worse than minus eight in point differential. So I, I think with that defense, you can maybe hope, hey, half of those tilt the other way. Next thing you know, you're a nine and seven team. And with the extra team that gets into the playoffs, maybe they're they're lucky enough to get in there. Could you guys imagine um, a golf hard knocks? How boring that would be. Ooh, see, that's interesting <laughs> because I would think I would think the uh, what's what's the what's the gambling day page? Is it Tuesday? Is that the gambling day? Like. If if you had like like imagine a week of hard knocks right and they're like a week into the tournament and you know you get the big money games you get the practice rounds where there's some side action um, you know you get access to the plane with the you know the kids as I think you call them or you know whatever with with Ricky and and Rory and all those dudes on the plane Bubba that are just screwing around um, it actually could be kind of fun right. 
I wish they had something like that because I think the golfers are the most fun. They're the craziest <laughs> too. And no one ever sees their personality, like I said, because again, golf is so conservative. And if you say anything, your sponsors are immediately going to cut you off. And they're so censored. And even like the clips that they post online, I mean, Justin Thomas said fuck in it on a hot mic and it blew up into this huge ordeal and people were so offended right. by it. But then you watch, you know, playoff hockey that's going on right now or really any other sport. And these guys are like, fuck this, fuck that. And no one <laughs> says anything. So it's just so weird how we think about golf as being a gentleman's game. And, you know, it's, we have to hold uphold the tradition, but these guys are awesome and they have amazing personalities. And I wish that could be showcased a lot more and it's just not. Yeah. And I think the, the tough part of that is who the sponsors are, right? It's like, you're, you, you know, you're not fortunate enough to have, it's, it's financial houses, it's car companies, it's, you know, it's the most, you know, straight and narrow sponsor that you could have for the most part, you know? But like, you met, like, even if you look at those, those tailor-made videos that they put out, I mean, they're just, they're candy. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome to watch like Jason Day and Tiger and they're just in the trap kind of talking shop. It's, and granted, I think you have to, you have to be a golfer to appreciate those. Um, and I think that's maybe the one, I think that's maybe the one thing that golf has the greatest challenge of, right? I, I think it's very hard to not play golf and appreciate watching golf. Um, whereas you cannot play football or basketball and you'll sit there and watch all day. Um, but I think that's the one that to me, that's the one obstacle that I think is just almost impossible to overcome. I think it's such a slow moving sport. I think it's just very hard for people to process. Um, okay. So whatever, let's just take Bryson, right? Bright, big ass Bryson and his giant inclined bench pecs, you know, is now swinging a club 160 miles an hour and his exit velo is whatever, 200 miles an hour. And by the way, He's landing that ball four football fields away on a 35-yard wide patch of grass. Like anyone that's played golf knows how completely asinine that is. But I, if you haven't, you can't see the excitement in that and, and I think the enjoyment in that. And I think that's just – that'll always be the issue. And I think that's why the Masters does so well – because it's just beautiful, right? It's just beautiful to look at on your TV and you can do that for four hours and just be excited by the azaleas and the rolling hills and, and you know, in Amen Corner, it's just, it's fun to watch. Well, it just lacks entertainment. I feel like golf is so focused on the sport, but they don't think about entertaining other people and you watch any other sport and an amazing play happens and you're screaming you're like touchdown they just made it and like golf it's like he just made a putt to win the masters yeah. <laughs> like golf clap there's yeah. no excitement and especially like they need to have maybe like walkout music or something like you go to like a hockey game and there's like fucking lasers going on and like a <laughs> smoke show and that's so right. much fun it's like a concert and then with golf you just don't get that and so like you're saying like you need to play golf to understand it and golf is so complicated and so confusing that they need to bring some kind of entertainment aspect into it like do you watch the coverage and you're like i could do such a better job in that instance i i guess I think the problem is that you already have that audience and that's what they want. You know what I mean? Like think about, think about how excited people got with top tracer technology. Like that, that was like the most exciting thing we've had in golf in years. Like wow, there's, there's a line now and I can see where the ball is going. This is crazy. Um, no, yeah, no, no question. You need it to be 
more entertained, but I think it kind of goes back to our, our conversation about the podcast, right? I mean, is that, is that being sincere to golf? You know, how many, and I, and I guess, look, I, you know, and I know, um, 18 birdies, right. Is your, is one of your things, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So like we used it when we play our games at, at the country club, when, you know, at, at old ranch, when, when I was playing with, you know, in our groups and there's a, there's a ton of shit talking, right? I mean, yeah. like you are like the, one of the groups that I play with, it is relentless. Like there is more celebrating of failure than any other thing on earth. And it's fun and it's funny and nobody takes it personally. Yeah. You get bent a little bit here and there if next, if it's cost you a couple hundred bucks because you thought, you know, but at the same time, that's what you're speaking to. I think is that, Hey, this is, this is a sport that does have personality, that does have competition and trash talking. And, and if only it could be shown, I, you were talking about it on a podcast. I think it was, might've been two pods ago, um, or maybe it was the last one. It was about Brooks and all of his trash talking and how, like, hey, Rory, okay, fine. Stand up for DJ, but stop with, with the Mount Pius, Mount, you know, Mount Piety freaking speech. So what? So Brooks took a shot at DJ. Guess what? It bit him in the ass, and he looks stupid now because <laughs> DJ just freaking won a tournament at a minus 30 by 11 strokes. Encourage it. Embrace it. Create rivalries. Have guys that don't like each other and pair them up together and make it uncomfortable for them and mic it up and let's get after it. Um, I think that would be, you know, but again, I think we keep coming back to the same spot, which is until you a, and this is something baseball is dealing with, right? Like we've got yeah. to create personalities. Um, so I think golf has to do that as well. Um, you've got to create personalities that people want to invest in um, and, and pick a side. Like when I was growing up, you know, I was fortunate to have uncles um, and my dad that were into golf and like, you know, my old man was a Nicholas guy. My uncle Ray was a Watson guy and it was just fun to watch. And then, you know, my uncle Frank would be like, I oh, fuck them both. They weren't as good as Arnie. You know, it was just fun. Like it was, it was great to be able to pick your, your horse and, and feel like you were going into battle every weekend at these golf tournaments. Uh, and I just don't get the sense that you've got, Oh, I'm a DJ guy and, and fuck Brooks Kepka. I want him to, you know, shank every shot. It just doesn't feel like we have that. It's, oh, I'd be cool if uh, Ricky won. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet if, if Roy, like there's, I don't know. There's just, there's not enough, there's not enough competition. Like we had, like you were talking about, you know, like Tiger versus Phil was awesome, right? It was fun to to play that. And I think we just need to try to find something like that. Well, I mean, I talked about before, we basically put all of our eggs in one basket when it comes to Tiger, because we've relied on him for so long to provide all of the entertainment. And we've never focused on any of the other players. And now we're in a position where we're fucked because Tiger's not the Tiger that he used to be. And he's kind of transitioning out. And it's like, we we don't we don't know who DJ is. We have no idea. Like we've seen him win, but we, we don't really nothing about him. And it seems with, same with Brooks. Like we've kind of seen him start to show his personality, but he just gets torched 24 seven by all these people and it's like of course now he's never probably gonna shit talk again because of that and I feel like people are craving that with golf like they want it like they're criticizing the broadcast they want players to say fuck on the hot mic they want that and it's just not happening and it's just so weird because you go to like a member guest or you play with your buddies and the whole time you're shit talking them and you're I mean you're you're drinking you're trash you're cussing like you're throwing clubs like it's not really a gentleman's game and like even on like the broadcast they're running Viagra commercials like let's really kind of focus in on like what golf is and I feel like we just need to progress and not be so focused on like what's happening before but 
I mean, even with this last tournament, DJ shot 30 under. He won by 11. And it was kind of like, eh, like it wasn't all that great of a tournament. Like I feel like it could have been so much more exciting. And I mean, Scotty Scheffler shot a 59 and then DJ shot the worst 60 of all time. Um, It just like there was so many storylines and it just kind of didn't have that like spark. And I think a lot of that and, and look, again, be true to who you are. DJ's just kind of got this Eeyore personality. You know, it's just, it's it's what he is. And that's fine because he's a freaking ridiculous golfer and he's fun to watch. Um, you know, but again, maybe that's been beaten into him because of what golf is. And, um, and I think what happens, again, is you become beholden to your sponsors. You know, and, and that's always in the back of your mind. And it's hard to cut loose knowing, oh, I'm... I'm doing commercials uh, for Farmers Insurance. Okay, how is Farmers Insurance going to feel if I'm letting F-bombs slip or making fun of someone for failing? And so I get it, um, sadly, you know, because it's a lot of money. And, and especially in this sport, when you're not guaranteed anything, when you miss a cut in the first playoff and next thing you know, you're out for the next few weeks, like I hope that sponsor check is coming in, um, the endorsement check's coming in because it ain't happening on the golf course. So I think that's another thing you got to be careful of, right, is – you know, you're you're out the pocket expenses every single week getting to these tournaments, and if you don't make the cut, okay, well, there was a twenty thousand dollar loss on my ledger. Um, so I, I think that also kind of, to some degree, in, installs a, a, a be careful what you say, don't make any waves. Um, but it's funny, like I, I think for golfers, like I, one of the great lines, right, was Kisner this week, who I absolutely love. He doesn't have this big booming personality, but to just say. Oh, I've been seeing this for 25 years. When DJ's playing like that, just get out of the way and cash the biggest check you can. It's such a great line, and it speaks to the kind of golfer he is, and I feel like that could be so relatable. Like, hey, man, I ain't hitting home runs with freaking Barry Bonds, but guess what? I'm going to bang out some doubles, and that's probably going to give me a cool $12 million contract, so I'm fine with that. Like, it's such an honest assessment, and it was such a cool quote, but it gets no run, you know, and it's 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 a damn shame that it doesn't. No, and I always think, like, what's going to make golf better and i thought maybe low scores will bring some interest in but they've been shooting extremely low and it's still like no one cares that scotty shot a 59 like yeah it's cool in golf but it never really makes like national news like you turn on tv and you're watching espn and first take they never talk about golf ever they like they never mention it unless like tiger does something really great but i just don't feel like it ever gets like really any coverage I think part of it too is, and it's something that it's it's a tenant that I have held my whole career, and that is, uh, like I don't I don't like talking about boxing or MMA because it's there those are sports you gotta know it. Like if you don't know it, they will sniff you out as a fraud immediately. People that know those two sports, so. And I think golf's to some degree like that. I think if Stephen A. and Max are yelling at each other about golf, people watching are like, these guys don't have the slightest freaking idea what they're talking about. Um, So I think that's that's partially why they stay away, because they know they would be exposed as complete frauds, which they kind of are every day anyway, um, which is fine. It's what people want to see. It's like, hey, Stephen, you're taking this today, and Max, you're taking this, and they go out and they go to battle, and they don't believe a goddamn word of it. Um, But people want to watch it, and it's the highest ratings on the network. So I do think when it comes to golf, um, 
like you said, outside of a tiger conversation, they're just not comfortable, you know, trying to pick a side. Like, yeah. I don't think they're just imagine those two trying to pick a side between Rory and Brooks. Like, it would be the most asinine conversation. It would be the dumbest thing you've ever heard listening to them trying to hash that out. And, you know, how good is Brooks really? I mean, he was going for his third straight PGA championship, but has he really done that much? I mean, uh, DJ's a number one. in the. You know what I mean? Like, it would sound so stupid to have those two getting after it. Well, it's a running joke in the golf community that golf Twitter is the worst Twitter of all time because they will complain about every little thing and make it into this huge controversy. You know, like guys wearing shorts, music on the golf course, fun. There's no fun in golf. And even, you know, I played professionally and I'm constantly trying to prove my knowledge to people in golf when I, I can like destroy them on the golf course and so I totally get that I think like as a community we're kind of self-destructing you know I feel like we need to be more open-minded we need to let people in it's almost like this is our little community and no one else is allowed in and it's just it's frustrating to see because I don't even feel accepted I don't even want to participate in golf conversations anymore because I know I'm going to be roasted for no matter what I say if it's 100% right or wrong like you can't even have an opinion anymore all right, so here it is. Ready, Paige? I'm going to give you my million-dollar idea, and I'm, you're going to broadcast it out to the public on your podcast, and, and you're going to be the star, and you're going to make millions of dollars off it. And all I ask is that you remember me, and, and when the pile gets so big that you can't find a place for all that cash, you just slice a little bit off the top, and you throw it my way, okay? That's it. Here it is. You hit it right on the head. You can kick everybody's ass that is coming after you on Twitter, so go do it. Paige, Paige Renee takes on the freaking club champs around the country, and you go to all of these fancy private clubs, and you take on their club champion who thinks they're hot shit because they make a million dollars a year, and they belong to freaking wherever it is, <laughs> Wingfoot, wing and, and just go kick their ass. Yeah. And, and it would be awesome TV because, A, you're going to have a hero and a villain, and B, you're going to prove the point... I remember one of the great radio moments we had. We were doing spring training in Arizona. Uh, our station covers the, you know, we're the Dodger station. So we would go out to spring training every year. And um, our producer, for whatever reason, something happened with his hotel room. Um, so he ended up having to hop, share a room with us. So I had my own room. Petros had his own room. And Tim, our producer, is like, dude, I don't know what happened. They're sold out. There's like some sort of urologist convention here. So there's no rooms. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, whatever, come stay in my room. So uh, we're done with the show. We're in my room. And, of course, we're in Arizona, so I have my clubs with me because I'm going to play uh, the next morning before we go on the air. And as I'm just kind of standing in the room and, and Chip working on my short game, as we all do when we're on the road in a hotel room, right, because the, camp, the carpet's so easy to chip <laughs> off of, yes. um, I'm watching uh, Big Ten women's golf and on the golf channel and it's awesome it's like purdue versus illinois or something and or no it's actually you know it's the big 10 tournament that's what it was it was their tournament so it was on the golf channel and i'm watching it and tim is like dude what the hell are you watching women's golf for and i was like the hell am i watching women's golf for this do you understand like i can take more away from this for my game than i can watching men's golf like this is the golf i need to watch to try to get some ideas of what i'm doing wrong and what i could do right because their game is so much more applicable to what the everyday you know player who's pretty good at the way you swing the the swing speed the distance that you're carrying it makes all the sense in the world to to watch women's versus men's professional golf um and i always have and i've always i've always loved it especially college golf like i absolutely yeah. love 
the NCAA tournament. Um, but it gets back to my point that I do think there is value in you proving your point. You want to come at me? All right, come at me. I'll take, take the Pat Hill, head coach of Fresno State, with the big green V on the back of their helmet. We will play anyone, anywhere, anytime. You call us, and we'll be there. And I think you take that on. Go kick everyone's ass, and my God, the, the eyes that you'll get on that thing. You know, I thought about that and I've discussed it, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to reward bad behavior. And I feel like if people are hating on me, then why would I want to go play with them? And but on the other side, I'm like, these guys suck and I want to go play them because I know as soon as I show up on the first tee, they're going to be begging for strokes. And it's like, oh, I thought you could take me straight up. Now you can't. But that's interesting what you said about women's golf, because I always tell people that all the time. If you really want to improve your game, watch women play because your swing speed's pretty much the same. You're hitting at the same distance. Their short game, I think, is so much better. And actually, speaking of women's golf, I don't know if you watched the British Open this week, but uh, Sophia Popov, she ended up yeah. winning. Underdog, amazing story. She is such a great person, but she almost quit last year and now she's a major champion i think that just shows how insane golf is where there's just like one day where you can't even f find the center of the club face and then the next day you're firing at all cylinders and it just i think it's such a different sport in that sense where it's not like when you go out and play basketball you're just it's not like space jam where all of a sudden you just like can't find your skills you have no idea what you're doing but that's how golf is like you literally can go out and, and it was the same with dj i mean he shot like 80 80 and then missed a cut and then you know finished second at the pga and then won again it's just insane how golf is like that but it was such a great story to see sophia play and again like we were saying it really got no media coverage i mean it was right. such a great story no one covered it and i think you know it's the sad part of the current sports calendar you know, where normally golf has got this time to itself. You know, it's, it's baseball, which is 162 games. And until the playoffs, people are kind of paying attention, especially in the dog days of July and August. And instead, you know, it's like, look at Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks was appointment viewing in August, right? Like it was the highest rated sports broadcast on, on television for those five weeks. And it's getting destroyed right now because it's going up against Laker playoff games and Celtics playoff games. And I think that's the problem is, you know, she's going up against in a final round, freaking Luka Doncic losing his mind and just playing the game of the year against the Clippers. And that's unfortunately what's happened to our sports calendar is we have been beat over the head with, you know, we have nothing for three months. And now you got to wake up at, you know, if, if you're on the West Coast, you got to be up at 9 a.m. because you've got playoff hockey and playoff basketball at 10 a.m. And, and it runs all day. And, and unfortunately, I think it's, it's overshadowing what otherwise would be a time for sports like the Indy 500, like, you know, like F1 racing, like golf, to, to like tennis, to flourish. And, and unfortunately, we, you know, it, it, they, they've now got to compete um, with playoff freaking basketball and, yeah. you know, and, and, and a sprint in baseball, which is like a playoff as opposed to just sort of the, the daily grind of that 162-game schedule. Yeah, well, I have a very important question for you, but we're going to take a little break, and then it's a, it's a serious question, so I hope you're okay. ready for it. <laughs> I am. Okay, so Matt, I have a serious question, and it has come up a lot on this podcast, and since you play golf, 
There was a professional golfer, Lindsay Weaver, at the British Open who used a push cart. What are your thoughts on push carts? Well, I think my thoughts are the same as it is on just about everything. And that is, if it makes you happy and it makes you enjoy golf, I know it's not a controversial take aside, then do it. You know, if riding in a cart makes you happy, then do it. If walking with the bag strapped to your back makes you happy, do it. Um, now, I understand that those that, that play golf and walk understand how much harder it is to carry your bag than using a push cart. So that I understand that there is a competitive advantage to having a push cart. Um, I will tell you this, because <laughs> this is where this is where the judgment comes in. Uh, our group is a freaking push cart group. So <laughs> because we don't want to drive in carts. Um, at the same time, I'm an old man, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm now on the wrong side of 40. So I've got a back that likes to scream at me from everything I've done in my life up to this point, a shoulder that I don't know if you can see is super gross and busted up because I separated it snowboarding. So it's kind of hard. Uh, if I want to play back when like at my peak of golf, when I was playing three times a week, it ain't easy to carry three times a week. So, but if you're a professional, I get the idea that yeah, you should not be able to have some sort of competitive advantage there. But for those that judge the, uh, push cart patrol, I must come clean and say, yep, that's, that's my bag. I, uh, I got my son. What is it? Sun country was the name or sun. Something is the name of the brand of the, uh, that makes all the push carts. So yes, I'm, I'm one of those guys. So just come at me. I got, uh, I can take it. Yeah. We've, we've, I've had a switch. I mean, I was very against them in the beginning. I have seen the lights. I now enjoy a good push cart, but it was interesting because Lindsay Weaver had to use a push cart because they weren't allowing local caddies to be used. And I think it highlights how difficult women's golf is financially because she didn't she didn't have the luxury to fly a caddy out to pay for their you know lodging and their food, and so she had to use a push cart, which is unheard of in a professional event. That just never happens. Wait, but there's no like on-site caddy you could use there in is. golf. They, so they have local caddies there, but because of the restrictions with Corona, they with weren't COVID, allowing yeah. any um, local caddies to be used. So that's she, terrible. So you either had the option to not have a caddy or to you know fly your caddy in with you, and yeah. so it was really difficult to like see her kind of like struggle through it. I mean, she's a complete badass. I played junior golf with her. She's always been so good, but it was, it was kind of hard to see. It's like, you see the guys on tour making millions of dollars and you know, they, it's just, they're living the dream. And she's over here just like lugging her clubs on a push cart. Just kind of, it showed yeah. how different it is between men and women. And, and I may get in trouble here, but, but Hey, it's, it's the podcast. It's what we want. We want, right? So so kind of here's where I come out on all that. And I think it goes back to sort of our conversation of how do we get more people to care? How do we get more people to watch? And me say, hey, you fly around and freaking take on club champs and kick their ass. So people get excited about women that play golf and, and can put it in perspective. And I think the idea that we have to care, that we have to watch, that we have, I mean, basically what we do at times is ask to, and look, I have three daughters that play sports. So understand, I'm just coming from, this is sort of my business acumen side saying, we can't subsidize something if people don't want to watch it. You can't force them to watch it. You can't force sponsors to pay for those commercials to to make the purses larger and help 
you know, these players who are supremely talented and the best at what they do have a career. Um, I wish we could, but the ratings are the ratings, you know, and, and networks are going to put things on that, that get ratings where they can sell commercials and, and make ad revenue. And unfortunately, you know, we're in an era, and I think it speaks to kind of what you were talking about, Paige, you know, a long while ago when it came to the dress code that they were trying to institute. And it's like, you want individuality. If somebody wants to go out there dressed, you know, with a plunging neckline and a short skirt, let them, whatever, that's who they are, you know? And, and it'll, it'll and, if, and if people are watching it for the wrong reasons, okay, fine. But if that individual's comfortable with it, let them be comfortable with it, you know? And, and, I, and I'm not saying that's the way you're going to get people to watch women's golf, but I think you certainly have to figure out what can you do? What, what can we do to try to make this more marketable, um, to get more eyes on it? Um, and I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is, but, but I think it's a, it's a sad reality. And I think, look, I think it applies to, you know, men's golf. When it's not a major, Owen Tiger's not playing. They're having the same challenges as, as well. Um, and, and I think the, the financial compensation part of it is just a product of popularity and, and whether or not people are willing to watch. And I think it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's incumbent upon, uh, you know, so many people to try to figure out how do we get more people to care? What, what is the right approach to that? And I, look, I wish I had the answer. I'd have that big pile of cash I was talking about earlier. Well, I have a question because I actually do agree with you. I don't think that you can just demand the same amount of money as someone else if you're not getting the ratings. That That's not right. equal opportunity. If, that doesn't make sense to me. But at the same time, a lot of people say that women aren't given the same shot. So if you put uh, a major championship on the same time, same station as the men, how are, diff- like, how are the ratings that much different? Like, obviously, they must be significantly worse if it's that's not the the regular so how like is it a lack of coverage is it a lack of interest like i'm still trying to figure it out because um i don't really have that much of a problem getting engagement or views on the videos that i post and yes you can say like you're saying that you know i might not be going about it the right way but if people are watching and they're learning about golf then that's more people who are watching golf and i even know when i was trying to play professionally i had like no friends i was outcasted i was judged for what i wore they made me feel so horrible and terrible for who i wanted to be and it wasn't that I was just trying to do this to get money. I I like how, what I look like. I like what I wear. And they made me feel bad about that. Yeah, and I think that's on them. You know, I, I think it's on. And look, to, to your question about if you ran the broadcast concurrently, what would happen? I think it goes back to what we said before, right? That, you know, my opinion is that to watch golf, you probably have to at least understand and probably play golf. And I think that speaks to how many women are playing golf right now and how many eyeballs could you get on, on that TV. And also, I think it's trying to convey to, to men that the women's game is more like your game. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. And, and I think that's think just a guys- very... Do you think guys dislike that, though, because it's kind of like an ego hit to them where they're like, oh, no, so. like this girl's out driving me? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, I do. I just I you know, I guess for me and, and it, again, it's probably, you know, it, it's it's all life experience and part and parcel and having, you know, three daughters and wanting to see them succeed and watch them excel at, at sports and, and feeling like, oh, yeah, she could. If I grabbed a lacrosse stick and got out on that field with my daughter, she'd destroy me, absolutely wreck me. And, and you know, I think once you kind of can reconcile that, 
then you can enjoy it. But it is a hard thing to reconcile as a guy. We're guys. We're assholes. We're animals. You know, I mean, it is it's it's what it is. So I don't I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if the ratings would be better for for women if you put them on head to head. I would suspect they'd be lower. Um, And and that's I mean, heck, that's a that's a years long conversation to have page about how do we develop stars you know how do we get stars like think about how think about women's tennis you know when women's tennis was peaking we had serena and venus and people watched because we found someone we could root for it was this dynamic personality and to some you know and i and i understood that it's like she's like hey wait a minute why why am i making less than the men when i'm out rating the men when when it's you know, the, the Joker and, and pick someone else in, in the men's final and, and I'm in the women's final and, and my ratings are higher, but I'm making less money. Absolutely right. Then that's what discussion needs right. to be had. Yeah, but if that's you're not, the discussion. Yeah, but if you're not having the same ratings, then you right. have no leg to stand the, on. You still but have I have money. to admit, and I don't know why I feel this, like women's tennis, I'll totally watch, but like women's basketball, I don't really watch it. And I right. love basketball, but I don't know why. So now having this conversation, I'm like, why am I not a viewer if I'm a female and an advocate for it, but I'm just not intrigued by it? Probably because it's not interesting to you. It's not a, you know, you may not find it to be a good game. It may not be a compelling product, you know, like. Do you think and, it's and like think, slower paced? Because I always think that people hmm. want to watch people do superhuman things. And so right. that's why baseball thrived in the steroids era. Um, watching DJ and Brooks and Bryson now hit it 350. Um, fast-paced playoff hockey is interesting. Basketball, I mean, it, it just seems like maybe with women's athletics, it's just not at the same level. Like you are saying, I think that's almost yeah. a bad thing where a guy can relate to someone else doing that. And so it's like, well, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch someone do something that I can't do. Right. And I, and I think there's point. just such a giant to me, like a, a massive chasm between the NBA and the WNBA and, and the skill levels in those two leagues as they as you pair them up. Whereas if you watch women's tennis and women's golf, it looks very similar to men's tennis and men's golf. You know what I mean? The product itself is very, very similar. Okay, so the distances are a little bit different, but that's it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's carry, but otherwise it's, hey, can you mm-hmm. work an iron? What's your short game look like? Are you a good, po-? like, it's the same game. Same with tennis. Okay, you know what I mean? Like the, the women are moving, you know, sideline to sideline, you know, and, and attacking net to baseline very similarly to, to the men. It's just the ball is moving slightly slower but when you watch it and you consume it, it looks the same. Whereas women's basketball looks completely different from men's basketball, the way the game is played. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it, I was thinking like a slam dunk. I'm like, yeah, I'd prefer like a LeBron <laughs> slam dunk. Right. Yeah. Versus like I, I think a it's, female. Because yeah. I think the way tennis works is that the men and the women play on the same time. So it's like they'll show a men's match, then they'll show a little bit of a women's match. Do you think if they did that where they played an NBA game and kind of snuck in a little bit of a WNBA game, then people would be like, wow, mm. this is actually really cool? Or do you think people are like, no, 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 I don't want to see that? Because I think that would yeah. definitely work with golf if they kind of threw them in together or played a same course either before or after, but maybe not with other sports. I think that's I think if they did that in a basketball game, they'd be like, what in the hell did you cut away from my, you know, <laughs> Lakers Celtics game for? If they did it in golf, I think that that's that's a very interesting um, proposition because, again, you know, it doesn't matter what what sex you are. You can still come up with that unbelievable shot, you know, and people love to see, 
you know, someone in trouble, right? And you're threading the needle Phil style between two trees and, and killing it right on an incline and, and it pops up to within three feet. I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's entertaining no matter who it is, right? That's doing it. You're, it doesn't matter, you know, what their name is, what their sex is. I think you're just watching like, holy crap, that was an incredible shot. That's, that's golf. You know what I mean? Whereas um, that, I, I think that would help. Absolutely. And it's not just running a, you know, a two minute sizzle reel highlight package of here's who won the British Open while you're watching Northern Trust. I think it's like, hey, look, this person's stymied and watch how they got out of this. Uh, And I think that's that's entertaining that could get you could get you over there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I out of all the sports, I would say golf is my least favorite to watch on TV. I love watching. <laughs> I love watching hockey. I will say though, I don't like watching the NBA, but I love watching college basketball. It's a totally different sport, you know. The, the NBA is it's just so star driven um, and so individually um, important that you just saw it like just we saw it yesterday, right? And and some people love it. The the trade, you know, it was a heavyweight fight between the Clippers and the Mavericks, but oh. it really wasn't it. It was a heavyweight fight between Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic. <laughs> and I think some people are turned off by that. Some people love it, right? Because, you know, we like, like you said, superhuman efforts. Um, and so it was fun to watch that. But I think in college, there's so much more scheme. Like really the stars of college basketball are the coaches, because they're the ones that come up with the game plans. They're the ones that are deciding what kind of defense am I going to run? You know, is, is it going to be 90 feet of hell? Is it going to be the 2-3 Syracuse zone? Like, what are we playing? And, like, that's, you know, there's more strategy as opposed to I've got this unbelievably exceptional, one of the greatest athletes, one of the 10 greatest individual athletes on earth going up against one of the 20 greatest athletes on earth, and they're about to do battle, and you're going to watch. And I think that's just the, the seismic difference between the two levels of basketball. Which one do you prefer? Well, I used to prefer college when, when it was different, when, you know, you could kind of find a team that you would root for and watch a 17 year old turn into a 20 year old and really kind of grow from a, you know, a young to, from a child to a young adult and mature and take this team, you know, and, and again, it's also part of, you know, when I was growing up watching the Patrick Ewing Georgetown team, you know, against the Michael Jordan North Carolina team and, and, you know, Syracuse, which always seemed to just get absolutely hosed at some point in the turn. Like that was fun. You know, Bobby Knight at Indiana. And if you hated him or you loved him, you just had to watch him. Um, he was just so demanding and determined that his was the right brand of basketball. And some <laughs> people wanted to see it succeed and others were like, F that guy. I want him to lose every game like that. That's just kind of gone now, you know, because players, when they're really good, they're not staying and and by the time they figure out how to play and understand because they were always the best player on their AAU team or their high school team like I I enjoy watching high school basketball more than college basketball Um, I find that much more entertaining because you know for the most part now it's changed quite a bit where a lot of the stars are moving around and going to three or four different high schools now but for the most part you can get teams that come in as freshmen and work their way up as their seniors. And, you know, if you get a really good class, it's a lot of fun. Like, that's what college used to be like. So believe it or not, and I actually feel that way about high school football. Like, I love watching high school football to some degree more than than any other level because of that. Um, 
just the the, the, the level playing field um, when you get into the playoffs. Granted, it's decidedly in favor of private schools as opposed to public now, and kids don't go to their neighborhood schools anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, they want to showcase for the next level. And now I'm rambling. I don't even remember where we started. Um, <laughs> Ask me another question, and I, I we need more of you in this page. I'm talking too much. No, no, it's uh, it's interesting to hear because you have been so deep in both basketball and football, and we need some actual knowledge in <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so we appreciate it. But I will say too, I think that something I dislike about the NBA is just it's not physical enough for me. Like I want to see people getting fights and be physical and it's kind of like football now too it's kind of turning into like touch football like do you wish they kind of go back to the old school mentality and have it be more physical sort of well yes and no um i do appreciate overcoming you know adversity and and watching you know when you think about when that era ended right it ended to some degree in the late 90s when they started opening things up and um you couldn't be as physical so i do like the idea of earning it and, and having to take a, a beating in order to kind of ascend to the top of that mountain. At the same time, that's not really what the sport is. You know what I mean? Like these, these players aren't built for that. That's, that's not the sport they play. It's not the training they do. They're not, they're not supposed to get the, the crap kicked out of them. You know, these are the most beautiful, fluid athletes on earth. You know, I mean, the basketball players, it is, they, they are, it's, it's, you know, it's a ballet out there, you know, football, is a, a street fight you know football is is you know I, the, the best my 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 radio partner's dad is just this sort of brilliant philosopher king right and the way he is able to describe things eloquently and simply and he said uh, really when it you boil it down football is the prevention of forward progress that's what it is it's whoever has the ball is trying to go in one direction and the set of players on the other side is trying to prevent them from going that way so what is that that is a collision you know and and that's what the sport is meant to be and that's what those players are built to do so in, in terms of the, the the lack of a physical nature um and, and look i think i understand what what the nfl has become it it, it shouldn't you know football is is a ridiculous I get to see what these guys look like after a game I mean it's it's what they sign up to do yeah. is stupid it is they they put on a bunch of plastic and they go out and absolutely destroy one another um and and I get to see them wrapped in ice and and dealing with the effects of that you know 60 minutes of of playing on the way home on the flight and what they look like so i i mean i recognize trying to to legislate some of that violence out of the game because of the toll it takes um on the individual i mean these are you know for the most part when you step on a football field and you see what these guys look like in pads it's terrifying i mean how fast they're running the sound of the collisions so i think to have a sport that's a little bit more grace and a little bit less you know, physicality is okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, and I'm totally, I understand where you're coming from, but for me, I'm all right watching those guys, you know, do their dance and, and appreciate just how beautiful it is and what they're able, able to do. Yeah. I think I just have anger issues and I like to see people just get the <laughs> shit knocked out of them. Like it That's would okay. be nice to have totally okay. Tom Brady just be like knocked down just, just once, just once, not right. a little touch, but before we wrap up, I want you to give me two picks. Who do you think is going to win the NBA playoffs? And then who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Oh, my gosh. 
that Super Bowl thing is so far out um, because it's such a, a battle of attrition. Um, that's the thing about football. It is so hard um, because health is such a major part of it. Um, NBA playoffs, I, I, you know, I believe in the Raptors. I just do. There's something about that team that is, that is magical. And, and I think with the restart and the lack of practice and the lack of games, you know, they in defense isn't something that people really pay a lot of attention to because when you look at the scores of games, it's 130 to 125. But that team is playing better defense than anybody else in the NBA right now. And they seem to really be the one squad defensively, schematically, that picked up where they left off. Uh, and they probably have, you know, save maybe Rick Carlisle. I mean, if you start going through who the great coaches are, I mean, Nick Nurse has, has established himself as an incredible coach. Um, so I, I like the Raptors. Raptors are the Celtics in the East. I don't think the Bucks, who are the number one seed and the favorite, the prohibitive favorite, I don't think they're getting out. I think the Celtics or the Raptors are going to get them. So I'm going to take those one of those two, and then I'll, on the on the West, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Lakers. I, I think they're going to figure it out and they'll catch up. And and their defense has been great. So I'll, I'll let's you know what I'll go Lakers Raptors finals with uh, with the Lakers winning. We'll, we'll go LeBron James Super Bowl is. Tori goes. Um, <laughs> Super Bowl. I'll. Um, God, I, I. I. can't even. I don't know. Who do you? How about I ask you, Paige? You pick because it's too hard for me. I. I. I know. I know what the season looks like and and how none of these teams are going to look anything like they do right now, and it's just a slog to get there. So give me your Super Bowl pick. That that's better than me. Well, I'm unfortunately a Steelers fan, and okay. they have been. Not doing so great lately. I think we just need to get Big Ben out there. I think he's just right. he's just I love the Steelers this year. I think they're that defense last year was insane. It was crazy that that team was eight and eight. They're quarterbacking it's it's true like I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It's one of the worst quarterbacking performances that we have seen, I'm not kidding, in NFL history after oh. he went down. Oh, I so, know. And the team went 8-8. Eight and eight. So, I mean, I think that speaks to how dominant that defense is. And if you just get – if you were to just get league average quarterbacking, that team probably would have won 11 games. So, to, to me, like Steelers are – go take them. Totally fine pick for me. If you I, I have to. I have no other choice. So that that's no. You the do have I another guess. choice. You, you absolutely do have another choice. <laughs> nope. As a matter of fact, no, I do not. Definitely not it's, the Chargers. <laughs> no, nope. you live. You live in Arizona, right? I do. Yeah. And do you plan on? Is that where you're going to like set up shop and and spend the rest of your life? You think? I don't know. I'm actually thinking of moving, but we're looking at different places right now. I I grew up in Colorado. I love okay. Colorado. So the Broncos were definitely my first team. My parents are from Pittsburgh, so that's why I love the Steelers. But here, um, we've never. I mean, they're... I got you. so this is like something that I have preached forever because I I was born and raised in Northwest Indiana, South Side of Chicago, right? So came out the womb wrapped in like a, a bear's blanket. You know, Walter <laughs> Payton was on my wall when I was five years old or whatever, and just loved the team. And held on to that. But I have now lived in Southern California for darn near 30 years. I think, what is this, 2020? So this is my 29th year living here. And people find it so hard to understand that I, I no longer root for the Cubs. I don't root for the Bulls. I don't root for the Blackhawks. I don't root for the Bears. Because why the hell would I? 
I've got the Dodgers. I've got the Lakers. I've got the Kings. I've got the Chargers. I've got all these teams that I can take my kids to, and they can watch these games, and they can experience sports in person. So why would I want to make them a Bear fan when they might get to go to one game a year if we fly back and they can't watch it on TV and there's no – like it just it never makes sense to me. I have a friend that I do um, podcasts with, Dave Damashek. And he is a dedicated Steelers fan. And he's got, you know, his kids are all Steelers fans. I'm like, mm-hmm. why? They've, they were born in California. Why are they Steelers fans? Why are they Penguins fans? The Kings have won <laughs> two Stanley Cups since your children were born. They should be going to those games. And they should be Kings fans. It makes no sense to put that on them. I've never been to Pittsburgh. I've, like, I've never I mean? been there. But... It makes no sense for you to be a Steelers fan. Like, there's I, I, no, no sense to it. No other options, no other choices. Right? I think it's a Pittsburgh thing, though. I think it's a Pittsburgh thing. Like, you, you're born into it, and that's just nope. the only but, option but that you have. That's you the have only to, you have to tell You have to tell your parents, shame on you for not letting me be a Bronco fan when I was born in Colorado. You should have been a Bronco fan. That would have been totally understandable. The Steelers thing makes no sense. There's have, no sense to it. Well, I have my two teams. I have Colorado and then I have Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's <laughs> definitely number one for me. We got to work on that, Paige. Wherever you move next, make me this deal. <laughs> you give that wherever you go. I don't know where you're going. If you're going to Colorado, if you're coming to Southern California, whatever it may be, if you stay in Arizona, you're going to give that local team a try. You're going to get out to the games. You're going to tailgate. You're going to get to know the fans in the parking lot. Do it. Just do two games and just see how much more sense it makes. For you to root for the team in your backyard. Well, so I went to school in San Diego, and I went to Chargers. One Chargers <laughs> game, and it was horrible. And I was like, never again. Like that's a bit of a rough go down there. Qualcomm it wasn't was great. a dump. It, it was, was an absolute dump. It was horrible. And I was like, this is why I'm a Steelers fan. And then I'll go oh. to like uh, another game and like the Steelers, they travel so well. And so you just feel welcomed right away. And then I went to a Chargers game and I was like, like, this is not fun. Like, I don't like this. Okay. Scratch that off your list then. <laughs> then they're out. Chargers are out. You know, but that, if, you, if you're talking about moving now, when you guys get, get settled, I, I demand I demand that you give wherever you're going to settle a, a shot at being your t- baseball, football, basketball. Give it a go. Okay. Well, I'll I'll make a deal in return. If you find me a new nickname, then I'll give that a shot. But until then, Ooh. no, no, no. Pittsburgh all, right. all the way. I'm working on it. I, I'm not going to throw anything out there that I'm going to regret. So <laughs> cool. So I'm stuck with Tits McGee. Thank you, That's Matt right. Money Smith, for being exactly. on today. You were so great. There are worse nice. things to be, Paige. Be thankful. <laughs> yeah. Be thankful. Damn it. I know we need to make this podcast video or something, but um, again, thank you so much for coming on today. It was nice to have some like actual facts on this podcast. Usually we just throw out bullshit all the time. So we really appreciate you. You know what? I just threw out bullshit page. I just do it in a very convincing delivery. That's the only difference. All the confidence. That's the only difference. Yeah, it's it's the voice. I I need the voice. So I'll work on that. But again, thank you so much for coming on. You were the best. You got it. Anytime. Well, that was so much fun having you on, and guys, we were talking about a little life update, but keep on listening because we're going to talk a little bit more about Scoremaster and also some TNA. have my favorite segment of the show TNA but first I want to talk about Scoremaster you guys know that I have some big life 
changes that might potentially be happening. I think I might want to get a house soon and you have to have good credit. And I didn't really know that. So <laughs> thank goodness for Scoremaster and David Coulter. The CEO is going to come on and tell us a little bit more about it. Well, hi, Paige. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're really excited. So how did you create Scoremaster? You know, Scoremaster was created because people want to understand their credit score better. They want to find out how many plus points they have available. And when we had some credit and data scientists look on how to do this, we figured out that most people have 97 plus points they can add to their credit score, but they don't even know how to get them. So we set out to create something simple and easy where you just move one finger on a dial. You can see how many points you have. It will save a specific and unique plan for people and show them exactly how to get there. And it's working out great for people. What are some of the benefits that you've seen from your customers? Well, the average user of scoremaster.com goes up plus 61 points in 20 days or less. And that can really change people's lives. That can take somebody the difference from not getting qualified to getting qualified, from getting a home loan to getting a better home loan or a car. Uh, just to give you a quick example, the average car that somebody would buy if they went from a 600 score to a 660 score would save $9,000 over the life of the loan. And there's other great examples, uh, a mortgage, a $700,000 mortgage. Somebody could save $20,000 on their down payment and $105,000 on the life of the loan. So it is having a really big impact on people's lives. And, and that's the thing that makes us the most proud is it's helping people. Yeah, and I always thought that you would need help if you had poor credit, but this app is actually for everyone. So if you have good credit, bad credit, it, it helps everyone, right? That's true, it does. You know, a lot of people have worked very hard for their credit score, but just can't seem to quite get there in certain areas. Well, that's the beauty of Scoremaster. Even somebody who has a decent score, like a 700 or 720, they can sign up in one minute, they can see their plus points, and it will show them exactly how to get their plus points. And so it also does help for people who are struggling and want to qualify. But what it really helps people do more than anything is understand how their score moves in plus points or minus points and really shows them with one finger on a dial how the credit score works. It makes it so simple for people. And when they can see they have plus points, they just dive right in and get them. And it's sort of like, wow, these are the points I have available. I didn't even know that. So that, that really gets the power of financing back into the person's hands away from the banks because the banks will all offer you the same deal. But if you know you have plus points, what people are doing is they're getting their plus points before they apply for financing and they're getting a much better deal in saving. 100%. I mean, Josh, do you have good good credit? Do you have good credit? Yeah, so uh, it's so funny, David, because I've done, a, I'm a general contractor and a developer and I build houses and stuff. So my credit will fluctuate sure. but, d depending on when I'm, when I'm when I'm in with a lot of money on the house, or when I'm not, and and I'm actually in the process of paying down a loan to have that credit for a new car. And what what really, it's interesting to me that I and I, I love that you've done this because it makes so much sense. But when you're talking about sixty points in these plus these plus things, you're saying I want to know a little bit more yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean you're like you said, it's literally saving money. PG gets a new house and she can save $25,000 just by paying attention. That's something that people should know about. But could you give me an example of one of those points? 
Yeah, so um, uh, most people, I, I'll give you a really good example. So one of the areas that scoremaster.com does is it will point out how making payments on odd times can help your credit score tremendously. It will tell you, you should pay this and you should pay that. It will, it has other builder tools and that type of thing. But, you know, most people who are paying their bills in full at the end of the month are not realizing the full benefit of their credit score. So this also points that out. So if you are looking to get an average car, say a $30,000 car, right? And let's say you're at a 600 score and you get to a 660, let's just say you're gonna save $9,000 on the life of that loan. Imagine that. And that's over a typical five-year loan, that type of thing. And even people who are already in the 700 720s, they can go up 20, 30, 70 points. They can still save a tremendous amount of money in the six to $7,000 range. So what I would encourage you to do and all of your listeners to do is before you apply for anything, go to scoremaster.com, sign up in one minute, see your plus points, and get your plus points because the average person is getting them in less than 20 days and most americans are very patient i mean what would you rather do apply for a car at a 650 score or at a 710 score of course you'd go for a 710 score so scoremaster makes it really simple and easy and it also makes it very specific to your unique circumstances oh that's amazing david thank you so much for joining us today i mean if I can do it and it's easy enough for me to use, then everyone listening should be able to use it. So guys, go check out scoremaster.com slash par. That's scoremaster.com slash par and go check out your credit score. Thanks, David. All right. Thank you. Tori, hit me with some TNA. I need it in my life. Okay. This one's from Chad. How can I put backspin on a ball? I don't know how to do it. Any tips? Chad, thank you so much for your question. I'm not really sure if you're talking about your full swing or if you're talking about short game. With short game, it's really easy. All you need to do is kind of open up your club face and you don't really need that much backspin. I'm assuming that you're playing on uh, like public golf courses or even if you're playing at a country club, most of the greens are not all that firm and they're not all that fast. And so you really need to focus on getting solid contact. If you find the center of the club face, then you're going to tend to get more spin. So really focus on that and not really on backspin. It's just going to come once you start hitting it really solid, especially with your wedges and your shorter irons. If you hit them solid and take a nice divot, then that's how you're going to get backspin. It's just a result of good mechanics. So start with short little chip shots first and then work into your full swing, but really focus on finding the center of the club face. Well, again, thanks, Chad. You can always check out my social media. I put out swing tutorials on YouTube and also on my Instagram. You can find that at Paige Renee, and then on YouTube, it's my full name. So definitely go check those out because it's, it's hard to explain just by talking through it, and usually a visual demonstration does the trick. So go check that out. Thanks again, Chad. And I want to thank you guys all for listening in and supporting. We have been kind of mixing things up here on the podcast and I hope you guys are enjoying it. It's been fun for me. We are trying to take it in different directions and try new things and uh, mix it up. And so I, I'm really happy with the episodes we've been putting out. I feel like you guys are enjoying it as well. So if you have any guests that you guys want us to come on or any topics, don't be afraid to reach out to our Instagram page, which is playing around. And also you can send anything over to our email, Tori. 
That's P-A-R at iHeartRadio.com. <laughs> Nailed it. So, yeah, thanks again, guys. I love you, and we'll see you next episode. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 